So, Josephina, now that we are in Paris, did you also know that this was called the City of Lights? Sorry, Shravya, my connection is kind of bad. Did you say City of Frights? Because, I mean, the French Open bubble situation is kind of scary. No, Josephina, City of Lights. Sorry, was that City of Fights? Because I know Irani and Burton's got mixed up in something, and also Shabavalov got kind of mad at the Roland Garros recently. Josephina, City of Lights. Oh, that makes more sense. I've heard that one before. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for tweens, teens, and other young tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josefina and Shravia. Shravia and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics, united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. Alright, so today is October 1st, and we are going to be giving you a recap of Round 2 at the French Open. I don't know about you guys, but Josefina and I have felt like how have we only just finished round two? It's felt like it's been forever, but here we are. Not even that. I mean, the time zone is so off. We're in October now, and they're playing the French Open. That's yeah, another thing I just can't comprehend. It's so weird. But we do have, before we get into the matches and such, we do have some important headlines to cover. So, jo- Josefina, how about you introduce the first one? Yeah. This one is Serena Williams withdraws due to injury. She withdrew in her match against Pirankova in the which would have been the second round due to an Achilles injury. It is the same injury that she had during her US Open semifinal match versus Azarenka that she even called a um medical person out to help her with so obviously this has been an ongoing problem and she says she needs four to six weeks of doing nothing so she said she was struggling to walk which and she didn't have enough time to fully heal after the u.s open she went straight into the french open and other tournaments and she will most likely not be able to play another tournament this year but it's okay because if she needs time to recover that's what she's gonna get Yeah, Serena Williams is definitely someone who's not going to give up on her dream to get to 24 and beyond. So I think um, smart decision to withdraw because she didn't want to make the injury worse throughout the tournament. This is also the the only the second time she has withdrawn from a Grand Slam match. The last time was in 2018. Um, So this gives you a sense of how serious the injury may be. And Serena is very much the type of player that doesn't disclose stuff about her injuries until it seems to be an apparent problem. So um, at least she's taking initiative here. So we hope to see more of Serena Williams, at least in the next season, if she decides to take the rest of 2020 off. Some more drama surrounding the French Open directly is that Fernando Verdasco announced that he will sue the French Open following the testing drama. He had COVID in August, recovered, and said he kept testing negative until he tested positive at Roland Garros. He was forced to withdraw, and he said he took more tests after, even though they were unofficial, and they all came back negative, and 
the French Open still did not allow him to retest. So that's why he's upset, and now he's taking legal action. Yeah, we saw a similar case with Joomer, but the coronavirus testing drama continues, especially on the ATP side. Another story from the ATP side was obviously after Denis Shapovalov's tough five-set upset when the Spaniard Roberto Cobayas Baena beat him in the second round, despite Shapovalov having chances to serve it out a couple times in the fifth set. He made some not-so-favorable um, comments towards the French Open in his post-match press conference. So, Josefina, tell us a little bit about what he was saying about the scheduling of the, um, of the French Open. Yeah, his exact quote was, Scheduling is absolutely awful. That's kind of straightforward. I mean, after a five-hour match, I have to play doubles now. It's just complete trash scheduling. It's disappointing. <laughs> I mean, you're in a Grand Slam, and I don't want to sound spoiled, you know, but you expect at least some help from the tournament to help you compete. I mean, how am I supposed to come out and play doubles now after a five-hour match? Yeah, he lost his doubles match in straight sets, but his woes did not stop there. Then he also talked about the bubble, which is another serious um serious critique of the French Open he said there is no bubble you know you can leave the hotel you can go to the city there's no problem there's nobody stopping you New York was done way better obviously he's not saying that he left the hotel or anything he just said that um they're not really having proper restrictions there but according to New York Times reporting it does seem that players are not allowed to leave the hotel but still a little unclear however there are still um issues with the bubble because several other players have also echoed Shapovalov's sentiments. Victoria Azarenka said she was nervous about the health situation. Um, Alexander Zverev and Sam Querrey also noted that it's not a true bubble because tourists can stay in the same hotel and they don't have to be tested. They can go out, roam about wherever they want to. And Zverev actually said there are tourists in the hotel room right next to his. So the deal that the hotel had made with the French Tennis Federation, the hotel had said that they had to continue accepting reservations from tourists and people aside from players and people at the French Open to make up for their revenue loss due to the pandemic, but it is still an unsafe situation, it seems like. So obviously, Shavov had a lot to say after his five-set loss. I mean, not saying that he said all of this just because he lost, but still, he still had more to say. That's my point. <laughs> yeah, so you might have seen this around, like, uh, Twitter or other social media. But in the fifth set, Tennis Channel showed a Hawkeye review. And as a disclaimer, as you know, the Hawkeye challenge system is not used at Roland Garros or on clay. So the Hawkeye review was of a shot that Shapovalov's opponent hit which was called in by the line judge and the chair umpire. But according to Hawkeye, it was out. And this was a critical point. This was at 5-4 in the set, Shapovalov serving 30-15. If the ball were called out, it would be 40-15, giving Shapovalov two match points. But instead, the score became 30-all, and Kobayas Bayana broke Shapovalov. So Shapovalov actually tweeted the photo after the match. When will we have Hawkeye on clay? And tagged the ATP and Roland Garros. So let's do a little bit of a fact check here and a little bit of an um, investigation into why Hawkeye is not used on clay. So Hawkeye on clay is not accurate. The margin of error is way too high um, due to 
the different way that the ball bounces on clay, and obviously you've seen so many disputes about that. However, there are other means of electronic line calling that could work, which is probably what Shapovalov meant. So a tweet from a Canadian tennis journalist, Jeff Donaldson, he summarized it pretty well, saying, quote, normalize not grouping all electronic line calling under the term Hawkeye, and maybe we wouldn't be having 75% of this debate every single day. And by debate, he meant why Hawkeye isn't used on clay. He then said Fox 10, which is another electronic line calling technology, does not equal Hawkeye, but it is electronic line calling that uses a different process with less margin of error, and it's in approval stages. So to sum it up, the electronic line calling technology is there, but Hawkeye specifically isn't great for clay. So Fox 10 is still being kind of um, brushed up to make sure that it can be used on the professional level. So despite what the Hawkeye review showed in the Shapovalov match, it could have been wrong or it could have been right. So the bottom line is that, you know, the technology exists. Um, in my opinion, at least, I feel like it should be there. Um, it should have been there way in advance because it's important and you can see that it would have really changed the course of this match and of several other matches. Um, but at the moment, obviously, it does not seem that Hawkeye is the solution, but there is definitely an electronic line calling solution. Moving on to some tennis talk where we talk tennis. Real fun stuff. We're going to recap round three of... No. Round two. No. It's round two. <laughs> We're going to recap round two of the French Open slash Roland Garros, starting with some upsets on the ATP side. So Roberto Carbias Baena defeated Shapovalov 5-7-7-6-3-6-6-3-8-6 in a crazy five-setter. So Shapovalov was actually serving for the match in the last set, failed to do so, and lost the entire match. So that was actually a really good match from Baena, and Shapovalov, the ninth seed, is now out. So that leaves that side of the draw kind of open. And second, Sebastian Corda, an American qualifier, defeated the top American seed, John Isner, who was the 21st seed, by the way, 6-4-6-4-2-6-6-4. So we've been seeing a lot of good tennis from Corda, and we expect to see more. But I know Shravia has some WTA upsets as well. Okay, yes I do. So some WTA upsets were Yelena Ostapenko, the 2017 Roland Garros champion, taking out Karolina Pliskova in straight sets, 6-4-6-2. Now the reason Josefina and I are laughing is because, reminder, the only time Ostapenko won a first round match at the French Open was when she won the whole thing. And she just took out Karolina Pliskova, the Rome finalist. This, she's playing great, and it's actually so nice to see that she's found her form again. I personally am really enjoying seeing her succeed. And Anna Karolina Shmidlova beat Victoria Azarenka 6-2-6-2. Shmidlova made a really big, um, present, had a really big presence on the tour as this up-and-coming player a few years ago. Um, but she kind of fell back since I believe she was injured or she wasn't playing as well. But it's also great to see that she's making a resurgence, um, taking out the U.S. Open finalists. So great stuff for Aust from Ostapenko and Shmidlova. But aside from these upsets, Josefina, take us through a little bit of kind of a 
uh, draw analysis after the first two rounds, looking at the different quarters in the ATP draw um, as we as we head into that section. And also, there are so many players who are into their first ever Grand Slam third round at the French Open on the ATP side. Yeah, there's 13 players who are into their first ever Grand Slam third round, which is the most since the 1982 French Open. So that's pretty cool. It's great to see some new faces. So the first one is Djokovic's quarter, who has yet to drop a set, but will f- hopefully face a slightly tougher hopefully, round. Hopefully, you said hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, because because we get to see good quality tennis, not just him beating people off the court. <laughs> it gets boring. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, so in round 16, he will inevitably face a his first fellow seeded player, which would be either Christian Guerin or Kachanov. And other than that, the highest seed the second highest seed in the quarter is Berrettini, but is not likely to upset Djokovic. So basically Djokovic has a freebie into the semis. Surprise, surprise. Okay, let's go so into the next yeah. quarter. <laughs> which is Medvedev's quarter, but um it's not anymore. Now it's Sitsifus's quarter because well, he failed to win a match. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So now there's three seeded players left there, which is which are Dimitrov, Rublev, and Tsitsipas. And based on the way Rublev and Tsitsipas have been playing, they're definitely two of the bigger contenders into the semis. But I'm I'm guessing Rublev makes it to the semis because he did beat Tsitsipas at their mass, last meeting on clay at the Hamburg final. Moving on to TM's quarter, which is kind of a little action-packed there. Just, just a little action-packed. going pack. on. It's just a little It's bit. not like there's two Grand Slam champions in that quarter of the draw. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> so Warinka actually, like, I'm really surprised by the work he's doing. He's playing amazing and really just looking forward to more success from him, but... We do have a potential Warinka TM round 16, so that could either create a classic or... No, I'm just guessing it does, because I think Warinka and TM are both playing some of their best tennis. Yeah, and I mean, that's only if TM can make it through Casper Ruud, which I know we're going to talk about a little later in our tiebreaker section. But TM has definitely been having a difficult road to this point, but he seems to be holding up well. But I'm also excited for a potential Warinka team round of 16. That Another... rhymed. That rhymed. Wawrinka <laughs> team round of 16. I love Shrabi this. Shravi is a natural-born poet. <laughs> <laughs> so another potential round 16 match, which is Fritz versus Schwartzman, creates another action-packed match, making the entire quarter action-packed. I've used that word so many times, but that's what it is. Action-packed. Action-packed, exactly. <laughs> Moving on to the final quarter, which is Nadal's quarter. The only other seeded player in this section is Zverev, which would probably be Nadal's quarterfinal opponent. But Zverev may face a tough getting to that point because he has Sinner and Korea Korea in his section. But he definitely has a chance to make it to the quarters. But just saying that these people, these players have a chance of upsetting him. 
And also, Sebastian Corda, who we talked about upsetting John Isner earlier, could definitely make it into the second week, such round 16. And he would probably face Nadal, so... So after taking a look at the ATP draw, let's move on to the WTA draw. Yeah, so looking at Simona Halep's quarters, the main threat that we would see in this quarter would have been Kiki Burton's because she is such a good clay court player. But obviously in her second round match, she definitely seemed pretty injured, um, which we'll talk about later. So I don't know if she's going to be as much of a threat. But Halep does face a tough next two rounds. She faces a, a third round against Inisimova, who took her out in last year's French Open. And if Halep wins that match, she'll face the winner of Iga Swiatek and Eugenie Bouchard. And Bouchard and Swiatek are both two players doing great, which is awesome to see from the young Polish player as well as from the Canadian. And there's also a potential for Maria Sakari to make the quarterfinals in the bottom section of the draw because she is in that little... Um, section with Kiki Burtons, who again, um, we don't know how she's going to hold up physically. If we move on to the next quarter, which is Svitolina's quarter, Svitolina, again, another clay court player. Um, this is the packed section that we talked about earlier, but Putin Seva, Azarenka, and Serena Williams are all out. But that also still leaves some great players in there, like Carolina Garcia and Elise Mertens, and the winner of their match will face Svitolina if Svitolina wins her third round match. Um, so that'll be an interesting matchup. But the bottom section of her quarter is all unseated, so there is some potential for Shmidlova and Parankova. In Kennan's quarter, she pulled off a tough three-set win in the second round, and it is a packed section, but there is opportunity for her to make the quarterfinals. The top section of her quarter is really the matches that are packed with Sabalenka versus Jabor and Danielle Collins versus Muguruza. So it's tough matches for all of these four players, but Muguruza is looking strong and she could be a clear, sorry, a key force in this tournament. And lastly, Karolina Pliskova's quarter, the top seed is obviously out now, and that leaves the section pretty open. Ostapenko, if she keeps it up, could make it to the quarterfinals because the only other seeded player in her section is Petra Martic. And the top section of that quarter is also open with Kvitova, but Kvitova is not Clay's favorite surface, and she is playing Leila Fernandez, the up-and-coming Canadian and Roland Garros Jr.'s champion. Um, so young players like Fernandez and Burrell, who is a young French wildcard, could also reach the quarterfinals, which would be a major breakthrough for them. Like, looking back at the WTA and ATP draws as a whole, it's just great to see a bunch of new faces. Let's move on into our tiebreaker recap from the last episode. So the tiebreaker match that I had picked from the WTA was Shea Su Wei versus Ika Swiatek, and Swiatek took the win 6-1-6-4. And she is really a force to be reckoned with in this tournament. Um, again, as I said, facing Bouchard next. And there was also a really adorable photo of Swiatek as a ball girl, and she was um, a ball girl in one of Shea Su Wei's matches a few years ago. So I thought that was adorable, and she tweeted that after her win, which was um, a really sweet thing to see. Um, and as far as the ATP match that I picked, it was Casper Ruud versus Tommy Paul. Ruud did win a very close match. Our prediction was correct, but it was actually a pretty short five-setter. Uh, only two hours and 38 minutes, so 6-1, 1-6-6-3, for Ruud, and he now faces the U.S. Open champion and Roland Garros finalist from last year, Dominic Team. 
And moving on to my little tiebreaker roundups from last time, my WTA pick was Fitana uh, Perunkova versus Serena Williams, but obviously, like we said during our headlines, Serena was forced to withdraw due to her Achilles injury, and Perunkova will play Barbara Krajcikova in the next round, who is known primarily for her doubles game, so it's surprising, surprising she's made it this far. And moving on to my ATP pick, it was Lajovic versus Kevin Anderson. It did turn out to be a five-setter, so I'm glad it turned out to be an interesting match. And Kevin Anderson took the win, and he will play on 13th seed Andre Rublev next. For this episode's tiebreakers on the ATP side, I have picked Christian Guerin versus Karin Kachanov. Both are coming off some tough matches, but I'm going to pick Garen for the win just because he had a great run in Hamburg and clay is his favorite surface, so I think he's going to feel more comfortable on these courts. And my ATP pick is Casper Ruud versus Dominic Thiem. I mean, Ruud has had an amazing clay, clay court season so far. He's upset top players like Berrettini, Fognini, and Kachanov so far, so he can obviously create some trouble for the third seed um but I am gonna give it to TM because this is his kind of time to shine so maybe he'll keep up the momentum so this is for my WTA tiebreaker it's a match I mentioned a little bit before Petra Kvitova versus Leila Fernandez it's the battle of the lefties I'm actually gonna pick Leila Fernandez the Canadian teenager for the win because I think she can pull out the upset. She's very comfortable on clay. She won the Roland Garros Juniors Girls Championship about uh, either last year or the year before. Um, and she's been looking really, really solid um, on clay in this season. So especially since Kovitova is not particularly fond of clay, I think this is a great opportunity for Leila Fernandez. And moving on to my WTA pick, Simona Halp versus Anisimova. There are many amazing matches on the women's side. It was super hard to pick one, but this one was an important kind of highlighted one because Anisimova is actually the one who took out Halep at the RG quarterfinals last year. So that's maybe another upset waiting to happen or Halep is going to fight back. So Halep is looking great though. She is the first seed. So I'm going to pick Halep for the win. It's time for drum roll, please. Nope, we don't have the sound equipment to do that. Tennis ball frizz quiz. <laughs> the tennis ball frizz quiz is a series of trivia questions Shravi and I do here on Hold On To Your Racket, where at the end of the tournament, the designated tournament of the episodes, we rally up the scores and we crown a tennis ball frizz quiz whiz. Shravia, take it away. Okay. The second stadium court at Roland Garros is named after French tennis legend Suzanne Longland. Longland won 250 championships and had a 116-match winning streak at one point in her career. She also had her favorite on-court snacks. Which of the following was her go-to snack in between sets? A. Sugar cubes soaked in cognac. B. Prosciutto. C. Liver pate and cheese. Or D. Chocolate truffles and red wine. 
I'm I'm guessing it's the first one. You're correct. So, in her coach or her father used to give her sugar cubes soaked in cognac in the in between sets sometimes as a little pick me up. Very different from Bashek Pospisil's maple syrup, but I mean, it clearly worked for her. Yeah, I mean, there's something about those sugar cubes that really did it for her. <laughs> okay, my question is, well, half question half statement monica sillis is the youngest female french open champion at 16 years and six months who is the youngest male champion is it a boris becker b andre vachereau c rafael nadal or d michael chang i'm gonna guess boris becker eh, no oh, no it's Who's not it, it? It's Michael Chang. Oh, oh, I was that was one of my guesses. All right, so now we're tied 2-2 in the tennis ball frizz quiz. So we're tied up again. Josephina is making a resurgence. Hold on to your racket. The suspense is building. For our double fault today, we have some very unsportsmanlike conduct from Sarah Arani. We do want to first clarify a comment we made in our previous episode. Josephina, can you clarify that for our listeners? Yes, that clarification would be that there is actually one French men's wildcard who is still in the French Open, and that is Hugo Gaston, and he is 20 years old, so we shouldn't have discounted that fact. Yeah. Anyways, turning to this Arani story, Arani was playing Kiki Burton's in the second round, and Burton's ended up winning 7-6, 3-6, 9-7 against the former French Open finalist. However, Burton's was severely injured and in pain throughout the match. She had stomach pain, cramping in her leg, her foot, and her hands, and she had retired in her Strasbourg match just a week prior. And Burton's had to be wheeled off the court in a wheelchair even after she pulled off that impressive win while severely injured. And she was in tears from the pain. However, during the match, Arani was not so sportsmanlike. Well, Arani was even mocking Burton's behavior during throughout the entire match because she felt Burton's was putting on a show or faking it. Arani served for the match three times in a row did not succeed obviously so that made her frustrated and she did not check up on Burton's after the match to make sure she was feeling okay and they did not racket tap or shake hands at the end of the match well because of Irani's part yeah Burton's tried to and then Irani just didn't she also yelled an obscenity in Italian when walking off the court Irani said yeah Irani said one hour she's injured And then she runs like she wasn't. I don't like that. She goes off the court on the wheelchair, and now she's in the locker room perfectly fine and in the restaurant. I don't like these things. I'm sorry. When the reporters asked Burton's what her response was to Ronnie saying that she was faking it, Burton said she can say whatever she feels like, but yeah, well, then maybe I should take some more acting classes or should pursue a career in that. I'm not sure what she's thinking, but no, I didn't really, fe- I didn't feel really good on the court, to be honest. So that's really disrespectful behavior from Irani, and a lot of people are calling her for be fined or suspended because of her actions. And recall that Sara Irani was also suspended for doping a few years ago, so she does not have the best record on the tour when it comes to sportsmanship. 
Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and math for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the French Open, upcoming tournaments, and updates on all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released in a couple days as round three wraps up at the French Open. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Tom and Shravya's name is Bob. See you next time. <laughs>